Welcome back to Judging Book Covers, your bi-weekly book club podcast where we're going through our 2019 challenge list. I'm Stephanie Cortez, and as always, I'm joined by my awesome co-host, Megan. Megan, how are you doing tonight? I'm all right. How are you? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. But I really want to hear more about your weekend. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I should probably apologize now. I'm dead to the world. (laughs) Uh, I spent the weekend at BookCon. It is uh, the annual time. And um, for the first time, I went both days. Um, it's not the first time I've had tickets for both days, but it is the first time I went actually both days. And I'm so tired. But <laughs> I met so many authors. I got to talk to Ashley Poston, who is like my 2019 author that I'm in love with. Um, she does, it's the Once Upon a Con series. So it's like retellings of fairy tales, but like as love stories during like conventions at like Comic-Con essentially. Nice. And uh, yeah, they're so cute. I love them so much. And like, what else did I see? Um, Neil Patrick Harris. Yes. Who is growing a mustache right now and I don't know if I like it. Oh. He was so nice. Hmm. <laughs> he was so shocked that anybody was lining up to see his book or to get his, their book signed. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> it's good I to be, be humble. That's a little bit Right, humble. right. Exactly. But yes. I had told him, I was like, no, I loved your autobiography, which I really did. If you haven't read it, give it a read. And I'm really excited to read his middle grade series. Um. And then I saw several judging book covers authors. Um, I saw Blake Crouch, who, when I told um, that we had done this book for the podcast, he just was like, oh, okay, and kept signing. I was like, all right, all right. <laughs> you're fun to talk to. Okay, Blake. Um, <laughs> and I mean, it's probably a good thing because I probably would have started yelling <laughs> about naked heroes. But that's okay. Slicing that super ripped <laughs> torso of his. <laughs> Um, and then I saw Joe Hill, who looks just like his dad. Yeah. And got Nosferatu, and, nice. which started, we're recording this on Monday, so it started Sunday night. So everybody go check it out. Um, and then as I was waiting for my friend who had won passes to this like special room where she could meet all these romance authors, like she met um, Jasmine Gillian, Gil, Gilly, oh crap, the woman that wrote The Wedding Date and The Proposal. I cannot, I'm totally blanking on her last name. Um, Meg Cabot. There was another one that I recognized and I completely forgot. But anyways, while she was doing that, I decided to check out the Babysitter's Club section because all the Babysitter Club books are coming to audiobook in August. <laughs> and because and Audible had all these author signings that they were not advertising very well. And I happened to come across the signing when Alyssa Cole was there. And first of all... <laughs> I'm so pissed I didn't know because I totally would have brought a book to actually be signed. Yes. But, uh, and then I was like, well, it was, I think it started at three and this was like roughly 3.30 and I was like, well, this is going to be packed. No, there was only like five people in line. So I was like, all right, I'm doing this. That worked out for you. I got the tech, the message from you, like all capital letters. Alyssa Cole is here. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I feel like she didn't know that Alyssa Cole was going to be here. This is so excitement. Yeah. No, I had no idea. I can't believe they didn't advertise that. No, I know. And I didn't think to, I, I don't know. I just, it never hit me to look at like her Twitter to see because I look at pub- the publishers instead of like actual individual authors. And I guess if they're not at the autographing booths, then I don't really think of them coming otherwise. But yeah, mm. she was totally there. And um, so I told her about the podcast. 
God, if she's listening again, hi. Yes, I am that weirdo. You're amazing. <laughs> and I'm sad that I wasn't there to meet you too. <laughs> uh, she's so gorgeous and this is the cutest dimples and she's very nice. <laughs> so everybody needs to go check out her Audible release. I think it comes out either later this month or next month. Um, it is an AI love story. So I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued. She said that the main character is a robot. So I'm all here for that. (laughs) Finally, not like an AI trying to kill everyone and take over the world. Love. It's, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe they just want love, too. Yes. So overall, the weekend, this was my third convention. The, some of it seems to have lessened. There was less people there. I was really bummed. Image didn't come. Um, And a lot of, like, just a lot of things less, so lines were longer. Mm. But... I got every single book that I wanted except for one. And that makes oh. a pretty fucking successful weekend. Nice. Yeah. All right. So. I have to plan better next year. I already told Chris yeah. I'm going next year. <laughs> <laughs> when it opens, we will discuss. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, there we go. That's a good plot for that. So, yeah, I now have to organize all these books. Yes. But mm-hmm. even as a kid, I always loved organizing my books. So That's fair. That's I find fair. some joy in that. I did the most nerdy thing and organized my yarn on Friday, (laughs) mostly because it's really needed it. And um, because I'm starting to work on projects again, and I was like, I need to know what I have. And Good Omens was out. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put this on, organize yarn. Perfect. And then I turned on instead, always be my maybe, but that's okay. I still (laughs) have to see it. Um, I personally loved it. And then friend of the show, Ollie, uh, made some very good points that uh, um, as to why he didn't enjoy it. So okay. I'm um, going to avoid that and just go in nope. fresh, open mind, except I am all about, I we went to see John Wick 3 over the weekend. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, more Keanu in my life? Yes. Yes, please. Yes. If anything, at least watch it for Keanu. Oh, I mean, so. yeah, I mean, I wanted to watch it and but then... that freed up more bookshelves. <sighs> okay. How was John Wick 3? It was really good. Um, they, it's... When we left the theater, we were talking about, like, remember the first movie when it was just, he had these coins to call in the cleaners, and that was, like, it. And now they've expanded into this whole world of, a world of assassins. Not just New York. Like, everyone in New York is an assassin. Everyone everywhere else is an assassin. Nice. Like, it's insane. (laughs) How was uh, Menzoukas? I thought he was going to be in it more. Like, he wasn't in it a lot. Um, That's at least a good prep for me, because I love Jason Menzoukas. Yeah. Yeah. So I was a little sad about that. So I'm hoping, I, as I understand it, I guess they're working, going to do a fourth one already. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's what I've heard. This is, a, John Wick's not based on anything, right? I don't think so. It seems I mean, to be like completely, I don't want to say original, but yeah, stands on its own. I don't own. think so. Yeah. Um, I liked Angelica Houston. There was one particular scene with her and some like, there's ballerinas, there's ballet going on that I loved. Good to know. Uh, every time I see ballet, I'm like, oh... It looks so pretty. Why didn't I? I did ballet for like one year when I was a kid. Yeah. And then I remember asking, I'm like, why didn't, why didn't I keep doing it? She's like, you said you didn't want to. And then I'll see like ballerina's feet. <laughs> like, oh. Oh, yeah. No, that's a good reason. I did save my toes and stuff. So. Yes. I guess. But yeah, no, it was, it was good. Plus Keanu in those suits just. It's always such a good thing. Yeah. yeah. He wears a good yeah. suit. He does. He does. So now that we've gotten really off topic. Yes. 
All right, I believe last time you were planning to read Manic Pixie Dream Boy. Yes, I did. I've actually been working on my review, which is very hard um, because the book is so meta. Mm -hmm. But it was actually quite delightful to, it was a look at tropes and like why tropes get retired. Um, Is the Manic Pixie Dream Girl slash boy a trope that is ready to be retired and why or why not? And um, there's a love story that I didn't particularly care for, but the overall book I really enjoyed. Good. Yeah. Nice. What were you going to read next? I had said I was finally going to read Heaven or reread, oh, really. Oh, that's right. Heaven and Dark Angel, which I did. Megan may have gotten some complaining messages from me, not knowing <laughs> who these people were, but I'm just like, why are all these men trash? <laughs> like, when I hear V.C. Andrews, I associate that name with incest and rape. Yeah. And unplanned pregnancy. That seems to be what everybody yeah associates with it yes but i forgot like certain things it just are like how mean and just trash some of the men are <laughs> like, oh no <laughs> like the first book she gets so it's a whole thing but like her and i understand that it, like because i was complaining about her boyfriend who does not seem to understand or i guess ex-boyfriend because she basically gets sold away so she leaves town um as one he does. doesn't after the fact, doesn't seem to understand manipulation and grooming and sexual assault by her, who is supposed to be her, like, adopted father figure. Like, he just, he's all, man, what about me? You slept with someone. It's like, is that oh. what we're called? Okay, yes, she slept with someone. Okay. And then I did finally listen to the Teen Creeps episode, and they hated Logan, too, the boyfriend. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> I was like, yes, someone else to yell about this. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to keep going with the series, but uh, Heaven and Logan do get married. (laughs) (laughs) This may be, if I ever calm down in my reading, I may try this series. It's Because I've always been fascinated. It's always like I've known it existed, but never read it. I haven't read, I think, wait, I did read, I'm pretty sure I've read Flowers in the Attic, which is probably the best known one. Yeah. Um. But I honestly, I read that series out of order. I somehow got like the fourth or fifth book, not knowing like that it was a series. And I just started reading it. And I was like, what do you mean your parents are brother and sister? What is happening? And then being like, oh, okay. So I kind of spoiled the first book for myself, but that's fine. Like actual brother and sister or like adopted brother and sister? Uh, That one, they are actual. Okay. Actual. Yeah. So in heaven, there's some... Like half stuff going on, and then you find out. Wait, yeah, no. So, yeah, Heaven series. There's definitely some like half related on one side type of <laughs> thing. Yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah. I never limited myself growing up into like on like what I read. Like if something interested me, I wanted to read it. But as I get older, I've definitely started drawing lines on things that, like, I don't particularly want to read. And yeah. that if, if it has it that you can't convince me uh, that it's good enough. Like, it's just one of them school shootings. Mm-hmm. Um, probably leaning closer to any kind of mass shootings. Yeah. I'm um, there with you on that one. The other is, like, incest for the sake of shock. 
I'm kind of getting there with rape and sexual assault too, but like yep. I, there is a book that got turned into a movie. That's all I'm going to say because I don't really want to spoil it too much. The movie <laughs> I actually really enjoyed because it just went full on ridiculous. Um, but I read the book and was like, they're not going here, are they? They're not. They're not. Oh, no, they did. Mm-hmm. They did. It was another half sibling situation. Yeah. And um, yeah. And they knew. So that's like. So there's another series I liked called The Rain. I can't remember the last name, but Rain. It's a black girl. So I was like, yes, I'm going to read this. And like her brother is like in love with her, thinking that she is his sister. We find out eventually they're not actually brother and sister. Oh, does he stop liking her then? No, he still does. But she's okay, just like, I grew up with you as my brother. Back up. Yeah. <laughs> like, even though I now know you're not, we're not, we're not doing this. No, <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> But he was like, yeah. Like, why? 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 So pretty much if you're going to read any V.C. Andrews, you are 100% going to run into this. Yeah. Like, it's going to happen. Or there's a lot of rape in in those stories. Yeah. Whether you hear about it happening or like to someone like, you know, through the through the eyes of your protagonist or it actually happening to the protagonist. I'm good. Yeah. I don't no, know how like, many... no issues if with anybody else reading them, but I just, those are like tired points for me. Yeah. Know. You hit a wall. Like I've definitely, so I finished Heaven and Dark Angel. I read the third one, Fallen Hearts. I am on the fourth one, Gates of Paradise. I'm just like, am I going to finish this whole thing? Because like, I remember certain parts about what happens. Ugh. <laughs> like, so anyway, I finished Heaven and Dark Angel. Nice. <laughs> I'm on the I finished the third book I'm on the fourth book but I did also read The Last Town by Blake Crouch. I was about to say we did also finish that series we did yeah that was what did you think of the ending the very last line or like the ending that, like the last book maybe just in general the because like reading that book I can't someone says it somewhere where Ethan's only been in the town for a few weeks and I was like holy shit, that's right. Like, yeah. all of this has really happened in a few weeks. Yeah, I think the entire series takes place in, like, uh, the most a month, maybe a month mm-hmm. and a half. Yeah. Um, but I didn't care for the last book in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Um, for various reasons that I yelled about to you. <laughs> we did some yelling. Yeah. If you go look at my Goodreads review, I'll just say the entire love subplot is pointless mm-hmm. to me. Um, it's the end of the world. There are more important things to worry about. Right. I understand, but like, even if it's not the end of the world, you had a full blown affair with someone and you're mad that your wife moved on while your ass was dead. She she thought thought. you were dead. Like you had a full blown affair when you knew she was alive back at home. You're lying to her. Like, I just, I can't, I knew that was going to happen. And I was just like anticipating it and being angry when he, to, you know, leading up to when he, I knew he was going to find out. Also, I, like in the first book, when he wakes up, eventually we, d- there is a point where they say like, this isn't the first time we've woken you up. Right. And like her fa- his family was awake for that and knew because I think it ends or at least the second book starts with like his son being like, are you f- like mm-hmm. for real coming home this time. Yes. And I think what's his wife's name? Shit. Kate is the other woman. Yeah. Teresa. Teresa. Teresa, I think she says something to him about 
watching him one time running through the streets during one of those things. Yeah. But her, because her phone didn't ring, at least, at the very least, and they didn't make her and the son join in. But Yeah. So, like, yeah. for her to know nothing, because I assume she knew more, and then it's, she knew nothing. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wait a second. Mm, that doesn't quite line up with book one for me. I will say the last line of the book, mm-hmm. uh, which I do believe elicited a fuck Blake Crouch from uh, Tim. Yeah, I got to go finished. back to that group chat and ask him if that's why yeah. <laughs> now that we've all finished. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Tim, <laughs> if you're listening, we finished. We'll discuss yeah, it with you at some we'll talk, point. We'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, I loved that last line. I'm not sure if his like it was like a damn, that's a good last line or like or if he was mad. But mm-hmm. um, I, I liked that ending. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the third book I could have done without. Yeah. I did like the the big reveal in the book too that I that I texted you and you're like wait a second <laughs> yeah it's like what was their that person's name yeah. <laughs> like I was like wait a minute <laughs> all right so this week's challenge was a collection of essays and we went with the Geek Feminist by Cameron Hurley uh, Cameron Hurley is a science fiction and fantasy writer and this essay collection is about feminism geek culture fandoms and basically women in sci-fi and fantasy and in those fandoms i think she Uh, would appreciate us talking about some quick uh pop culture before this starts yeah (laughs) also reading this i'm like i really want to go watch mad max again (laughs) yeah same yeah that comes up not surprisingly um (laughs) the collection is split up into four parts level up geek let's get personal and revolution so i figured we could probably just talk about each section yeah sounds good yeah Uh, it is worth pointing out this was written in or published in 2016 Mm -hmm. for some reason i had it in my head that it was 2013 um but no it was closer to the election because i kept being like wow yeah this is a lot of what i've been feeling for the past like three years wow yeah that's because it was published around the time that all this kind of crashed down yeah because she writes the last i like too there's an epilogue and it starts with you know sitting here debating are there epilogues with essay collections Eh, fuck it i'm doing it this one's gonna have one (laughs) but she wrote that in the summer of 2015 yeah, have you read any of her sci-fi books? I have not, but I want to now. Same, same. <laughs> I'm gonna have to find it. Yeah. All right. So her first section, level up. This one, like, while I was reading this, I could not remember what I read about the description when we were trying to decide on the essay collection to pick. I couldn't remember what I read that made me be like, "Yeah, let's read this one." But this one, like, it just it really felt like a call to arms. Women, people of color, get in here, LGBT, like get in into these spaces and tell stories, you know, tell your stories or tell, you know, the stories that you want to tell. It just, it felt like a real call to arms for anyone who's not a straight white guy. No, totally agree. It was, uh, I, I got to admit, I was a little hesitant to have like the cover outs. (laughs) You never know with New York subways who you're going to run across. And I just don't want to get punched on a Monday morning. But after reading this introduction, I was like, fine, whatever. Unhiding. Yeah. Show it all off. So the cover, we can see we both have the same cover. It's um, the title's very, it's very bright. The words, the geek feminist revolution, sorry, geek feminist revolution are in red with yellow backing. So really make them pop. 
And then it's got a drawing of a scaly llama, which will come back into play. <laughs> yes. So had you read that that article that went viral? No, I had not no. read. No, like I actually looked at my Twitter today after this. My Twitter is so geared towards like publishing and writing. And like occasionally when I go through my feed or like the people you follow, I occasionally can find like actors and actresses of things that I was watching at a certain time that I kind of left on and tennis. It's like basically mm. publishing companies, <sighs> so some authors and tennis. We so. did not talk about tennis also, by the way. Like, oh, I have no idea what's going on in it. So that's uh, why. <laughs> but I will catch up and talk to you tomorrow about that. Okay. Because I was sad. Yes. Was it yesterday? Maybe Is it, it Saturday? Over? No, but okay. Serena and Naomi Osaka both went out. I think no. it was Saturday. Yeah, because Chris and I stopped to get a drink somewhere and I just happened to open up my news feed and that was what the article said. And I was like sitting at the bar like, no. no. <laughs> yeah. I just realized I published an entire, this has nothing to do with this, but I published an entire, (laughs) not published, I, yeah, on my blog about who book reviews are for, which I guess kind of ties into all this, and completely forgot entirely about the guy who, he's a horror writer, and he sent it to, there's a a website or a blog that specifically is women reading horror, and, and rating and reviewing and, you know, all that stuff. And whoever, the woman that read it, didn't particularly care for the book. And so the owner of the site gave a, a quick, e- shot a quick email to the author to be like, hey, just a heads up, like, it's not a five-star review. She didn't particularly love it, but it'll still be, it's, it's still a positive, you know, critique. And the author went off. And they, in their, on their blog, have um, a section that says, like, if you act like an asshole, we're publishing it. Like, it, we are going to put I you think, on blast. Did you send me this? Oh, probably, yes. Because I, I think you it did. everywhere. Anyways, yeah. so this was, like, one of, like, seven things that happened involving, like, authors and reviews. So I wrote a blog post about it. And I knew I was forgetting something while I was writing it. And this was a week and a half ago. And I just realized <laughs> what I forgot. <sighs> Oh. <laughs> yeah, but that does fit in with it because she does talk about criticism. Yeah. Um, she starts part one. It's really about kind of resistance in writing despite rejections. I did like where she says, this is hard. It's it's hard work. I'm not telling you to stay in this game, but I'm just telling you that I know it's hard and I'm still here. And she doesn't blame people who get sick of the game, basically, or get sick of everything that comes with it with putting yourself out there and your work out there and leaving. Yeah, I really like that the writer environment is kind of shifting the narrative these days of like, she even says so in here, like just because you get published once, it's actually that second book that is really, really hard to also Mm -hmm. get out because if you don't do well in your first book, it's actually harder to sell a an author who's been published who did bad rather than a brand new author. Right. And I feel like a lot more authors are actually talking and being vocal about these kind of issues rather than just being like, I got published. I made it. That's all you need to know. Because there are still authors like that that are just like, I got published. That's all you need to know. Yeah. I mean, this is fiction, but Jane the Virgin, her first novel, it doesn't do well and they drop her second option. So yeah, reading that, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I realized that that was fiction, but no, (laughs) but for real life, the pressure is on. Yeah. Yeah. There's an author 
who goes under the pseudonym Riley Sager, who his third book comes out in July, I think. And the first one was Final Girls. The second one was The Last Time I Lied. And this one is something about a locked door. I totally just blanked on the title. But they're like more horror geared. So the first one was kind of about like these women who had survived like Scream. Think Scream. Mm -hmm. Uh, Naomi Campbell at the end, if she went on to like find a group of women who had all survived these kind of mass killings and then formed a club and then suddenly the club starts dying. And it was great. (laughs) It was it was a really good book. And then the second book was even better. So I'm really excited to read this third one. But he goes under the pseudonym because his first book didn't do well. Oh, yeah. And the f- when I first Damn. found out, I was like, I'm hurt, kind of. Like, it was kind of one of those moments of like, because I guess maybe because I was thinking Riley's more of a female name, but it's really not. It's really mm. non-gendered name. And because um, there are a lot of guys that write under women names nowadays mm-hmm. to. It's a lot. The publishing yep. world. <laughs> and, um, but, but after reading like an article that he wrote about how his first book didn't do well, it makes a lot of sense. You know, he wouldn't have been given this chance. And it's really great that he has because I really like his books. And yeah. a lot of people do. Oh, damn. Yeah. Oh. I'm glad that he kind of found not like a second, like a second chance, essentially. Like, Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad the second chance worked. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did like where she talks about her experience in marketing and advertising and how that work, there's a lot of failure. Mm-hmm. And, but she's found the value in that learning from each failure to figure out what's going to work, you know, that it's a lot of trying and trying and trying and it's not working. It's not working until you find the thing that's going to work. That's going to get the calls or get the responses or get the people to buy your product. And then translating that to, to writing. Uh, She says something like that a book can be a commercial failure, but it needs to fail in a way that moves me forward. I was like, I really like that. I do too. Is this where she also talks about the love letter to the software? Or is that later? I think so. Okay. Let's see. I don't know. This this whole first section is kind of like a, you need to know who comes before you and you need to know you're going to probably fail. Just know it. Yeah. And also taking responsibility for problematic stories or problematic yes. things in your story that she was confronted about a gay character in one of her works dying because the gay character always dies. Like they're the easily sacrificed ones. Um, and she kind of just has to take responsibility for that because yes, you, she did kill off the gay character. Yeah. And she made, you know, she, there's an entire like section of explaining that she tried to rework it, mm-hmm. that she tried to do something else and everything else came off as too fake. Um, but she knows she still screwed up and yeah. like, I totally appreciate that. She also tells a story about she's at a writing workshop and I think her short story is it's very brutal. A lot of death, torture. It's, it's, it's brutal. So the feedback she gets is, is on that, that, you know, just about that. And she, instead of kind of going in and reworking things, she basically eviscerates her story mm-hmm. and it ends up not being really what she wanted that she could have gone in and instead of just taking everything out and turning it into just kind of, I don't know. I can't remember how she describes it. Let's see. She just basically, when she was done, she said she left it merely a shell of its former self and that 
it was com- it was basically like chopping off all the rough edges on a marble geode and smoothing it into a shiny faceless sphere instead of she could have worked with the little thorny bits and turned them into hooks and smooth out some of the ugly bumps and just that you don't have to necessarily gut your story yeah but just kind of I don't know, reworking what you have while still keeping your story. So she did try to do that, but, you know, with with the gay character, but she did end up still killing them off. Yeah, this first section is basically just laying down the groundwork for the rest of the book. Yeah. And everything is really kind of built off of it, you know. Um, discussion discussing a little bit of harassment failure and um knowing the history and knowing that you if you get into this you're going to become someone's history right right and taking responsibility for the problematic stuff and a light touch on how hard criticism can be or harsh i should say criticism can be do you have anything else about this section no i i, yeah. I think we're good because it really yeah. is just kind of like here it's what five articles or five essays and um it's gonna build yeah the second section is called geek and the first article about the monstrous men <laughs> i <laughs> so i did not watch true detective did you I watch not, true Detective? no it's been on my list forever and it was okay to get it spoiled a little bit yeah I uh, I don't know if I want to watch it now, <laughs> not because it was spoiled, but because of the things that apparently happen. <laughs> yeah, I I think everybody I know really loved True Detective season one. Yeah, um, and reading this and having it broken down like this, I don't know. Yep. Have you ever seen any of your exes in media and been like, oh, oh? <laughs> no. Thinking about it again. <laughs> No. I mean, like, in media media? Or just, like, or, when you're watching TV and, you're like, someone starts dating and you're like, oh, I dated that guy. Oh, I thought you meant, like, actually. No, no, <laughs> like, no, no, not, like, your actual Oh, ex. that like, probably. Like, caricature, I guess, is better. <laughs> yeah. Or at least where there's, like, some similarities of, like, oh, that's why I'm not with you anymore. Yes. <laughs> and therefore would not be with you. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> No, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. There's actually a couple things recently where I've been like, oh, you remind me of my recent ex and I'm turning this off because um, I don't think I've properly yelled it off that enough. Just like yelled into the void, not like yeah. ranted at people, just yell into the void. I did have a coworker. I can't remember what the phrase was, but he would say a phrase often that an ex used to say. And I'd just be like... Okay. That's <laughs> like docking points from you, even though you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Let's cut this from your vocabulary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I did, I really liked this article. It's called Some Men Are More Monstrous Than Others on True Detectives, Men and Monsters. It, so, again, having not seen True Detective, but hearing great things about season one, I knew that Matthew McConaughey was in it. I knew Woody Harrelson was in it. That's mm-hmm. all I knew. <laughs> That's not only new too. And then there was like a mystery, murder mystery yes. or something. Yes. But basically she talks about how they are both monsters, but Woody Harrelson doesn't seem to realize that he is one. Whereas Matthew McConaughey kind of realizes that he is one. And that at the end of the day, because they're both also monsters, they don't quite fit into the world the way a non-monster would. (laughs) And we're all a little bit more willing to forgive them because they're not the monster that's killing people. Right. And she even talks about how she, 
not was like internally fighting, but almost to that point because one of the women characters like really takes ownership of like what's going on and how she can leave, you know, this bad relationship, this monster. And she's like actively trying not to hate her for doing the right thing because it's the monster we're supposed to love. And... And it reminded me like of all these shows that I watch that the guys are super problematic and yet we're supposed to love them. And yeah. I did a recent rewatch of Veronica Mars that caused a lot of anger in some French uh, fans on my blog where uh, I talked, I, at one point I say that Veronica should end up with Leo because Leo is actually a decent guy as opposed to Logan, who is who she's with up until this point. Um, but then you told me never trust a man named Logan yeah, after no. I was complaining to you about heaven. <laughs> you not knowing who Logan was, but I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, Logan's bad in Gilmore Girls, too. Actually, no, I do have Although, some. Wait, I don't know who that. Wait, who's Logan? Gilmore Girls? Oh, Did wait. Is he? Is he He's the rich one? one that Roy dates. That I by feel the like end I of was it, annoyed about the ending with him. He proposes and she says no. And she's like, can we do long distance? And he says no. But in all honesty, the older I get, the more I'm like, he's kind of a shitty dude. Mm-hmm. But you were shitty for leading him on this long. Ah. And yeah. yeah. But Logan and Veronica Mars is a little bit, it's too much. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even in the last Veronica Mars book, Veronica acknowledges that like Leo is a healthier choice. And she knows this, but she's still not going to do it. And I just, I like basically put this out then. I was told that I had no idea what I was talking about and not a true fan at all. <laughs> and it just made me okay. laugh. Yes, because and, you have um, an opinion. Yeah. You're not a true fan. Exactly. Yeah. I, and, but it's, it's the exact same thing as you're like, you're watching this kid who like beat up kids and like bashed in her car as a teenager and maybe had a hand in her getting raped and all these I'm other sorry. things. Not intentionally. We have not murdered this person. He was not, he did not rape like, her and he did not intentionally have a hand, but he's not a good dude in the beginning of the show. And this whole redemption arc of like men needing to be redeemed. Oh my God. That is a trope. That, that is another trope that I'm very much over. Also. The, the Darcy just, wannabes. Did you watch this, the finale of Game of Thrones? I did watch the finale of Game of Thrones. Okay. I've not seen another fucking episode, so. but yes, I could talk about the finale. <laughs> So Jamie, um, when Peter Dinklage, when his character goes in and he goes down and there's like all these rocks and he mm-hmm. finds his dead sister and dead brother, Jamie's whole story was about redemption. Like he was real, like he was the Kingslayer, killed his king, which we find out later, probably a good choice because the king wanted to like murder everyone. Okay. When <laughs> um, he gets away from his sister slash lover, he's not always shitty. And he starts to become a better person. Like, he goes to... She promises to send their army to go fight the the White Walkers, the zombie things. And he's like, yeah, let's do this. Only for him to find out she was lying. She wants them to go fight the White Walkers. And then their armies will be depleted. And then she can defeat them. Which, smart. But at the same time, you're banking on them beating the White Walkers. Which, yes, they did. But... (laughs) But you're still banking on that. Yeah, that's a big gamble. And... He was very upset and he went and he fought with the people up north. He like just leaves to go back to her in such a crazy rush before the end of the series that I was like, is this a, is this a ruse? Is this a plan where you're going to go murder her yourself? Like, oh, But no, see. he just went to be with her. Maybe he was going to murder her and then like wrong place, wrong time. No, I can get on no, no. That. Oh, no. Nope. 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 <laughs> no. 
nope, he wanted to be with her and then he needed to get her out and get her safe. And I just, I, it, that's, that's a story of a man redeemed ruined by the finale. <laughs> the, this book, the, there's an essay later that kind of like, doesn't discuss this, but I think it rings true. Um, Cause it, the discussion is more about, I don't know where I'm trying to go with this. I'm trying to make ends come together. Um, Yes, there are a lot of trolls and idiots on the internet and people Mm. who are going to yell just to yell. For instance, calling, um, oh my God, Ray and Mary Sue, but not realizing that she's not on too different of a path than Luke Skywalker was. And if you're calling one, then you got to call the other. They call what's her name in Game of Thrones, Mary Sue. These are things that these are pointless yellings and things like that. But mm-hmm. there are people and there are voices that are yelling because of things that are, don't make sense. Mm-hmm. And because it gets so overshadowed, we need to understand the difference between the two. Yeah. And and, and this it's discussed as like something completely different. But I think your 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 point on this redemption in Game of Thrones is like being like, this is something that I did not like about this last season. Yeah. is valid <laughs> yeah. rather than just like <laughs> you know just yelling about who got to kill the white walker king and like how that doesn't make sense and i'm like i mean i will yell in in positivity of that because no, she was yeah. my day one i love her <laughs> exactly so yeah i don't know i yeah but <sighs> But I'm I'm also with you with the whole men needing needing redemption. It's like okay. Well, we need to be teaching. Okay, people change. Yes, because I am very different than I was at 18 and at 24, and now I'm 31, and I will be very different at 40. But at my core, I'm still me. And there's the mm-hmm. same neurotic tendencies. There's a lot of aspects of my personality that are not great that I have to actively work to keep in check. I tend to, um, I ha- I, I, I'm paranoid about things and have to like actively be like, okay, am I just being really paranoid and like need to talk myself off the ledge or is like something actually going on and then it manifests in anxiety and things like that. And I'm sure you have these too. Mm-hmm. You cannot change someone completely. Right. And, and media needs to stop. Right. There would be core aspects of yourself that will always be there. Either things that you maybe realize you want to play up because they're good things or maybe things that you want to work on so that either you're feeling a little less anxiety so you're not negatively impacting yourself or others. But right. there are definitely some things that are always going to stay the same. Right. Because, I mean... Like thinking about Jamie in, in Game of Thrones, like when he killed the Kingslayer because, or when he killed the king, it wasn't solely with the goal to put his family on the throne. It was because the king wanted to kill a bunch of people. So there was that little bit of good in him. So I didn't find it far fetched that he was going down this road and kind of becoming a better person and right. not being this cocky asshole who pushes kids out of windows like he was in the first episode. Yeah, like. I don't believe the whole mantra of once a cheater, always a cheater. Right. Um, I think that's bullshit. I yeah. think you can learn and grow. But I do yeah. think that things that are deep embedded in us for one reason or another, you cannot change. So like, I don't know enough about Game of Thrones to continue in that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, I could try, but it's going to be me psychoanalyzing someone yeah. that Did you... the only thing I saw was him dead. So. Yeah, right. He 
he's laying this guy and then these bricks are I think my all these rocks. tweet was like okay the dude's dead is maybe the woman's nope the woman's nope. dead too both dead both dead okay well but I, I do like the memes of like if they had just stood like five feet to the right or whatever like yeah. <laughs> um did you watch breaking bad no it's my mother and my sister loved it and i for whatever reason I love my sister to death. But there's something about the things that she loves that I mm-hmm. always make them go down a little bit further on my list, which is stupid. <laughs> we have similar taste. I know I'm going yeah. to love it. But it comes back it was, to, like, childhood. <laughs> it was really good. Like, But I thought of him when reading this about monstrous men. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not a monster at the beginning. Basically, the point was to turn your main character into the monster and... A lot of fans didn't seem to quite understand that at the end, you really should not be rooting for him. Yeah. Like, and I know his wife, Skylar, got a lot of shit. A lot of people didn't like her character. And it's just like, you know, is it why? Is it just because she's a woman? Is it because she's a woman questioning her husband? Because, yeah, if my husband has two fucking cell phones, I have some questions for you. Yeah. You're not going to answer them? okay see what happens now like i'm just gonna take this lying down like yeah she's just supposed to turn a blind eye when her husband doesn't come home or when he comes home super late or he has this money and like all this other stuff is like yeah and she does lash out in this one particular way that i don't want to say because i don't want to spoil it for you i (laughs) bet like (laughs) (laughs) because there's just when she tells him this thing that she did, there's just this supreme, like, sort of confidence and I am done with you and your shit, husband. Good. Fuck you. <laughs> and it's the fucking best. That's awesome. The best part, too, about that scene is um, Aaron Paul's character is there. They're sitting at the dinner table eating and he's just like doing the awkward. I'm just shoving all of the food into my mouth as they're talking. And then she says this and I'm just going to keep eating and drinking because I don't know what to do. And I'm not going to look at anyone. <laughs> yeah, I've. It's yeah. real good. That Walter White is an antihero, right? Become. Yeah. Like at he the beginning, you're full on rooting for him. Right. He's got cancer. He has. He doesn't have like a lot of money to pay for it. His wife's pregnant. They have a teenage son. He And he doesn't want to leave them destitute. So he turns to making meth because he's a really great science teacher. Aaron Paul yeah. plays a former student of his um, who he finds out is making meth. So they work together. But like at the beginning, yeah, you're rooting for him to get this money and to be, I, I was hoping like get treatment. Hopefully you don't die. But I, I see where you're coming from with this. Yeah, no, insurance <laughs> like, sucks. I yeah. see people that work in insurance. Yeah, it Neither does. Neither of us in medical. Are you in, you're in well, I'm in disability, and not everyone has disability yeah, coverage. Exactly. He didn't have disability coverage. Yeah, it's um, it's something that definitely needs a lot of overhaul. So yeah, I get yeah. seeing Walter as a hero at first. Yeah, um, but then he starts to want more and more money, and starts looking at yes. who's above us making like he becomes the bad guy. There's no way around that. And anyone who tells me is different. Like the creator, I believe, has said like. That's what he wanted to do with this character was Make him a bad going guy. from nice hero sweet teacher. Villain. Yes. Hero okay. to villain. Yeah. This, the book touches up, touches a lot on antiheroes and as someone who personally loves antiheroes, I agree. I think our culture is a little too oversaturated with them and I think they are causing some issues as to, you know, who you should look up to and who you should em- mm-hmm. emulate and 
Um, I hate to say this because I agree that heroes should be more well-rounded. They should be any gender, any sex, anything like that. But Chris Evans, especially as Captain America, I think is a great hero and anti-hero that actually works, that it like makes sense and... Maybe you shouldn't cheer for him, but at the end of the day, it's kind of okay because he goes back to being more of just like a regular hero. I don't know. I just, I just thought a lot about my anti-heroes and I was like, yeah, I kind of love all of them, <laughs> but I shouldn't. And the fact that our culture is really getting into like loving villains and mm-hmm. um, I've never thought about it as problematic, but it probably is an issue. Yeah. I mean, I do love Loki. Speaking of Marvel. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like one of my favorite books is literally the author went, "Can I make readers love characters where there's no actual hero? Hmm. That there's no good guy?" Mm-hmm. And the answer is yes. Yeah, but it's literally that's kind of encompasses what 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 I it think, is these days. I think that can be hard to do. Oh God, it yeah. could be doable. Like I, oh God, like part of like we've talked about Crazy Ex Girlfriend, and there are times when. I cannot binge that. I can binge almost. I also couldn't binge Breaking Bad. I tried to do a rewatch and I got through the first season. I was like, I'm tired. I need a break. <laughs> it's a lot. Oh, I feel that. And, and Rebecca can be a lot. So I cannot yeah. binge that show. <laughs> no, there was a point watching it the, the first time that I was like, Rachel's not good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like she's like, doing mm-hmm. some shit here. That's, yeah. And I'm not, I'm supposed to feel bad. No, because like I, the person I felt the worst for was Valencia, a coworker that I convinced to watch this, Scott, he and I would talk about how Valencia was like the best and she deserves better because I, fuck Josh Chan. (laughs) Fuck Josh Chan. I agree. She has Um, the best, speaking of redemption arts, she mm -hmm. does have one of the best ones of anything. Mm -hmm. And it is totally valid and makes complete sense. And I love it. Yeah. I've got to finish that last season. Yes, you do. So we can talk about it. Yes. <laughs> um, so I also really liked the essay that talked a lot about Mad Max Fury Road mm-hmm. because I love that movie. Uh, I left that movie and I remember seeing it with Chris and just feeling like, cause I, I'm very easily sucked into a movie, sucked into the story and like I can easily enjoy almost, almost anything. Mm-hmm. And that one I left, like, it just looked beautiful, and the women, and Furiosa, and I just had, like, all these great things, like, (laughs) that I was like, I need to go see it again, and we did see it again. (laughs) Yeah, I have not seen it since it came out. I need to sit down and watch it again. I think my favorite might be after Max joins them. I think they might have one bullet left in some big gun i don't know and he knows he can't make the shot so he like they put the he puts the gun on his shoulder for furiosa to do it i was just like yes yeah he's not the hero of the story right she is which i hadn't seen i still haven't seen any of the other mad max movies so i didn't really know what to expect but i just assumed since it was called mad max that this was like his movie he's the hero like he's the you know the great one to save the day and he really wasn't and i just yes yeah I really liked the Die Hard article, um, mm, mm-hmm. which I think came between. Um, it's just a really quick discussion on the male gaze um, oh, yeah. through Die Hard, which everybody loves. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody that doesn't like Die Hard. But mm. there is a moment where, you know, John McCain watches a woman either get dressed or undressed. And why? What does it add to the movie? Right. Absolutely nothing. And 
and and that eventually leads to a discussion of covers book covers and especially for urban fantasy which is a genre oh, i yeah. like and hate all at the same time for all the reasons that she put in here mm-hmm. that over the shoulder gaze yes. i was like thinking about advertisements for shows and was like yep yep <laughs> where women are yep oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah yep yeah, what did you think when she talks about Buffy not ending up with anybody? Ugh. Because does she yeah. by the end of the comic? Um, shit. I've only read that one once. I'm trying to remember how it even ends. I don't think so. Okay, good. I'd have to double check. I hope not. But like, yeah, I don't remember. Which, all right, so kind of going back to Jane the Virgin. It's... Like, I don't know, eight episodes left, maybe. And I really want her and Raphael to get back together <laughs> because I love him and he is gorgeous. And I have been team rap since day one. Not that Michael was bad, but I just. No, I get yeah. it. Um, but at the same time, I'm also like, would they make the choice to have Jane and the series alone? Yeah. I don't know because it's a telenovela. Oh, that's true. And I don't. I do like, though. So her and Raphael have broken up again. And. Seeing it from her perspective, where, like, we haven't seen her necessarily. Well, I guess we kind of have. Basically, her wanting to get back together with him and him not wanting it because he doesn't trust her and he's upset about some things. And But she also doesn't have Michael to fall back on or anyone okay. else. I don't know. I just like seeing her have to go kind of go through this where... Because we got to see when she chose Michael over him, him, Raphael being upset and, you know. Yeah. So it's just... I don't know. It's a nice pace, but a uh, change. But I do want to see them back together at the end of the day. <laughs> but no. then at the same time, would it be a good ending for her to be alone like Buffy was not in a relationship exactly. at the end? I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting your ship to sail. Yeah. Because um, like... As long as it sails, okay. Yeah. Like with the Buffy ending, the night before the big battle, when her and Spike are laying in bed together... And then Ani and Xander are having sex. The principal and Faith are having, like, everyone else is having sex. We only see them laying together and staring at each other. And it's kind of left Ambiguous. where, yeah, I always did assume they, they do together. Not. Yeah, that's where I've always stood, too. <laughs> and because I hope that that was. I'm sorry, he tried to rape her. He can't. She, no, I just don't see her completely turning on that. Not so soon. Yeah. yeah, but I like that, that she doesn't need to be with the guy not that the other characters like needed to be together either for that night no. before the big battle. Like, but that is you a might way die tomorrow. You want to have sex? Great. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But a know. lot of I, her storyline was about the guys and like, who does she end up with? And then at the end, no one. And that was a good choice, I think. I don't know if Jane's the same. Gonna go the same way. I don't know because Buffy wasn't a love story. At the right. Summer. Right. I mean. Yeah, this was a telenovela, the heightened love triangle stuff at the beginning. And yeah, so I feel like I feel like they've got to get together, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I really can't see the show ending and them not being together. (laughs) I don't know. I'll report back in what, eight weeks or whatever, however many are left. (laughs) Have you watched her Netflix movie? Yes. I really enjoyed it. It was a great breakup movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of drugs in it, which made me feel old in a weird way where I was just like, man, that's yeah. a lot of drugs. So much drugs. And a lot of partying. Yeah. Calm down. She said she wanted one epic last night with her yeah, girls. She did. Yep. And, um, and I'm, 
man, I'm going to have to put so many spoiler alerts on this. Oh my God, but, like, yeah. The fact that they don't get back together at the end, I think yes. it's really well done. And because sometimes I'm, you don't need to be together. Like, yeah. And it, it isn't the move that is the made them break up. They were on their way to breaking up prior to that. Right, right. And I'm glad that there wasn't a big comeback. Yeah. Um, I really like that actor, too. I can't wait to see him in more things. Lakeith yes. Stanfield. Yeah. 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 Like, I'm very tempted to go back and watch the really, really bad Death Note remake just to watch more of him. <laughs> I won't do it because that was so bad. <laughs> um, Another thing. So with that movie, with someone great, I really liked how when we get the flashbacks of their relationship, because like when you see the trailer for this, they're broken up and she's sad. It's very easy to like paint the relationship with the rose colored glasses and everything was wonderful but we get to see the fights and we get to see her going in on the fights too that it it wasn't just him yelling or just him doing x y and z um that she was like she played a part as well yeah um getting to see her angry and one of the things i can't remember which essay it is but where Cameron Hurley talks about how basically men are allowed to be flawed and complex. Women are not. They need to be mm-hmm. dutiful and perfect. And you don't want to see angry women, which is kind of why I keep coming back to is that why people didn't like Skylar on Breaking Bad because she was angry because she was questioning him and stuff. She wasn't just playing the dutiful wife, accepting everything her husband is telling her, even though it doesn't make sense because he did not plan out some lies and also some things he gets into. It's really hard to like come up with a, with a good lie to cover that. Um, but yeah, talking a lot about how women are not like if, if a guy is, he's so tortured and he drinks, that's just what he does. But if a woman is drinking, she's an alcoholic and not dealing with her issues. Like she's, and she's bad for that. Yeah, I tried to think of any books or movies that I had seen that kind of embody that that she doesn't mention. And the only one I can think of, the woman character eventually dies. And she Mm. doesn't die. I follow the author. It wasn't like her death made sense. Mm -hmm. She was the big bad. She had to be defeated. Um, And I hope that she builds more from that. Um, But yeah, it was a, you know, she became a mob boss and she liked sex. And there's nothing wrong with that. She didn't want kids. And that's okay. She kills her husband, I think. (laughs) Yeah, she does. After he tried to kill her. So it's like, okay, you know, yeah. I don't want to keep harping on Game of Thrones, but people (laughs) who talk about Daenerys and how she like, she seemed to enjoy it when her husband in like, I don't know if it was season one or whenever he pours like liquid, hot liquid gold on her brother's head and kills him, gives him a crown. It's a great scene. Brother wasn't her abuser. So yeah, you know, if my abuser was getting murdered in front of me, I might just sit there and be like, do it. Rain That's all that fair. gold down on his head. That's fair. Yeah, you know yeah. what? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's some other people that I think she kills or has killed. And they're like, oh, see, she was crazy. And I was just like, mm, what these people did or we're going to do. I can't remember the specific example, but I was mm-hmm. just like, what? I don't, I see nothing wrong with her choices. Right. <laughs> like, <sighs> yeah, I am, yeah. I, after I watched the last episode, part of me went, I kind of want to go watch the rest of the show. And I'm reading the first book when it finally comes mm. in from the library. I'm going to do that. But we'll see. Um, Be warned about the incest and the rape in Game of Thrones. No, I'm aware of it. Even after what, everything I said this episode, I'm aware of it. Yeah. We um, definitely talked about the incest. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
No, this entire second section is kind of built upon like taking everything in media that we know and tilting it over, turning it upside down and figuring out how we can be better, what's flawed and why it's flawed and how we can move forward from that. You know, there's there's a really great essay about how she wrote a book and her character's bisexual in a world that kind of just accepts anybody. And yes. and that her uh, editor eventually was like, okay, we get it. She sleeps with anybody. And how she had to get out of the mindset of our world where mm-hmm. you are coded for a reason. Right. And, and, and how it would be weird in this world to do that. Um, and I have to say, like, that was probably, as a writer, one of the best essays. Yes, that, I like, loved that essay. Yeah. And it actually made me think of Alyssa Cole, kind of, like, that um, when we meet Lakatsi and, yeah. and everything about her and how her people just kind of accept it. And it's just kind of yeah. like, it's fine. Yeah, people are trying to marry off their daughters to the right yeah. hand of the future king of their country. Like, yeah, it's, yes, I love that essay so much, The that having to remind herself, okay, I don't have to just spell it out because in my world that I have created, this is the norm. So I need to like write the story that way so that my reader knows this is the norm. The end. (laughs) It's a different world. (laughs) And I made the rules essentially. Yeah. I think that was, um, it'll go up there with the other writing books that I have. Yeah. That, you know, like, like things to remember. Right. And if you've, you know, portrayed your world well enough, you don't have to spell it out. Right. Right. And you get to create whatever you want, like the types of families that your audience is going to see. You get to create mm-hmm. that, uh, the different types of relationships that people have, like you get to create that. And you can basically set the stage where you don't have to spell out Time and time again, yes, but she also sleeps with women, you know, like she was doing right. with that one character. And on the flip side, she breaks down the heroes, specifically Conan the Barbarian. And like, by making a more female Conan, she was able to realize that like Conan actually wouldn't be this okay that he is, is as yeah. he is. And that was another moment where I was like, you know what? I love this. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure her characters are like, I'm actually really looking forward to reading one of her books after reading yeah. this. To get a feel of, like, how realistic her characters are. Yeah. Because Be- when she talks about how Conan wouldn't be as well-adjusted. Yeah. It made me think about Buffy, where she says many times where she, like, she has to shut herself off at certain points to be the Slayer and to make the decisions to save the world. Decisions that, like, her friends don't have to make because they aren't the Slayer and therefore would not understand. I want to say she's trying to explain this to Xander to get him to shut the fuck up about something, but I don't quite remember. There's at least one scene where... It happens a few times, but yeah. Yeah, probably. (laughs) But, and she's not, like, there's the season, it's um, season five where she tells Dawn that she loves her and she's like, it feels strange to say the words love and she needs to know what it means to be the Slayer because she feels so cut off from the world. And then after she dies and is, gets brought back, then she really is not well yeah. adjusted and <laughs> fitting into the world, which I like that that season explored that, that it wasn't just, oh, I'm back and I'm adjusted. I'm, it's yeah, fine. Exactly. And thank you for season six. As much as I cannot watch it is like such a good look mm-hmm. at trauma and yeah having to adjust back into it and how much people expect you to adjust quickly. Right. And, and instead she drinks. Well, there's at least one night of drinking and yeah. she ends up fucking the bad guy who is a really, really bad guy. He's not just like yeah, your neighborhood bad boy. No. Yeah. It's <laughs> not someone, I mean, they try to portray Spike as like this guy with a heart of gold, but like 
he doesn't um the he older didn't have I a get. soul at that point yeah. <laughs> like and i was I, very buffy spike growing up but the older i get like he didn't want her to climb out of the the the, the gutter that she or, no yeah like he wanted her to stay in the darkness with him yeah and like but he swore up and down that he loved her that you know that he was in love with Drusilla that what they had was love and that now what he feels for Buffy is love and if you don't have a soul I don't yeah can you be in love oh I don't know I just read Solace mm. and she's in love so I don't know it's <laughs> a good question what is love yeah. it's not a question I'm prepared to have yeah no my brain but just went, also, don't do it <laughs> right <laughs> but he definitely didn't want her to come out of the darkness but <laughs> definitely and, and she did eventually but it yeah, and that's her what darkness started... lasted literally all season. Yeah, and that's the point that it started breaking down between her and Spike was that she was ready to come out, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. This entire third section is just like how to write and help society change. Yes, and that you don't have to perpetuate the alpha male loner men get to be complex and women don't i can't in your writing yeah and a question that a lot of us should ask like when we have a problem with something is especially so if it's a female character that you don't like if a male character was doing this would you be okay with it and if you would be what is that discourse and what what is causing that discourse and why right that's i would like for people to answer that question about skylar on breaking back I really feel like people just were angry because she was a woman who was angry and not taking her husband's shit. Yeah. No, yeah, I believe you. I mean, yeah, there are plenty of them. Yeah. And like she did try it. Like she just wanted to understand at the beginning. And then clearly her husband keeps lying to her. Who among us is going to be okay with our partner continuing to lie to us about things and hide things? I, I don't know anyone who would just sit there and say, okay. Whatever you say, sweetie. Right. I'll be in the kitchen if you need me. Um, This is also the point she breaks down. uh, Essentially what we've kind of been talking about the entire episode of like, these are tropes and things that I no longer want to read. And and for her, it was a video game that kind of was that selling point. And Mm -hmm. it hit me when I was writing this article that that I might leave that discussion um, from earlier. But it was an article about who are book reviews for when is the author considered dead? Um, and going through my Goodreads, which is a, just uh, just around a thousand, um, I have roughly two hundred and thirty five star reviews. I have fourteen one star reviews. Mm. However, my do did not finish list is close to fifty, oh. which has definitely increased over the past few years because I am getting to the point where I'm like, there's so much out there. I don't want mm-hmm. to spend my time on things that I don't like. Yeah, and and I kind of feel like she was having the same thought with this video game, where like. One little thing caused her to be like, no, you know what? I'm good. There are at least five games over there that I have played that I know I will enjoy more. And there's this whole group over here of games that I haven't played yet that I'm willing to give a shot. And Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. I think that's a good, healthy way to be. Don't force yourself to do anything. Yes, exactly. That's what it is. You don't have to force yourself to keep with something that has a narrative you don't like. You can easily find, maybe not easily, but especially like with, but uh, maybe video games are getting better. But, like, you can find other things that don't have that narrative. Yeah. Yeah, video games are hit or miss, which is why I play yeah. less and less of them. just going to stick with Don't Starve, just trying to survive the monsters. <laughs> I bought it. It's on my, my plan for the summer. <laughs> I think I'm up to day 300-something in this world and have not died. Nice. 
I do have a lot of beefalo though. I gotta start killing some off because there there's way too many. <laughs> um what do you think our dystopia is going to be? Like, if you look back at our age group. So I guess the odds. So she talks about how if you grew up in the 40s and 50s, your version of the future and dystopia, or your version of the future is um, flying space cars. The oh, yeah, was this that section where she said basically she doesn't want to hear someone complain about there not being flying cars by now? Go yes, build them. Go build and them. I really liked that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, by the way, there are flying cars, for the record. They just, like, I've seen one. They're just not practical, nor are they going to be cost efficient, nor are they cute. Like, they're bulky as oh. hell. They're just not great. Yeah. And, I, and this was, God, five years ago that I saw one. And I was like, oh, my God, they've created a flying car. And my coworkers were like, yeah, it's not the first one. It's no big deal. They're, <laughs> it's not something that's going to come anytime soon. We're, we're more likely to get... Um, cars that drive themselves finally working before we actually get flying cars. Uh, which still, it all makes me nervous. Like, oh, God, yeah. I can't think of the name of the movie. I think the Flophouse did it. It's Bruce Willis, and you, like, plug into an avatar to essentially live your life in this, like, virtual reality type of world. I mean, I just had, like, five movies pop into my head, so. I know. There's so many. <laughs> and was it, uh, what, was, what was that? Ready Player One that's kind of similar yeah, to that. that was one of them, with, yeah. with how much time we spend on our phones and oh, stuff, yeah. which I'm 100% guilty of trying to get better. But, like, that's what I worry about the future turning into. Like, just that's we're all... A good adi- point. Unless we all blow up first. That's... That's very highly probable. Yeah. If we yeah. don't blow up, I'm concerned about, like, something like that where more and more screen time, less and less... Yeah, getting more and more virtual. Yeah. Wally is another good example. Oh my god, yes, and just <laughs> I guess a Matrix is technically an example. Mm, yeah, but no, you're right. I actually didn't have an answer for this. That is the best answer. Yeah, like I don't. Yeah, yeah. She talks yeah. about how that if you if you're born back then, that flying carts the Jetsons. Eighties is more cyberpunk dystopia, um, which I really love. God, I love mm-hmm. that genre. Um, there's also a lot of talk of how characters were stronger, like women, especially in the 80s mm-hmm. movies. And now I really just want to go back and watch a bunch of action movies from the 80s and just yeah. get a better understanding of this because I, do- I definitely don't have I, the culture touch points that she, yeah. she's going on about. Because she talks about one particular movie where the woman doesn't end up with either guy. Yeah. And I was like, that's in the 80s. Like, <laughs> I'm be maybe honest, need more of that now. <laughs> I've read like maybe two books where that doesn't happen, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's still just so rare. God, you're so brilliant. A virtual reality. <laughs> that's so good. <sighs> so in part three, unless you had something else about part two. Nope. I mean, I can go on and on about a lot of things, but yeah. let's go ahead. So part three is let's get personal and... So it starts off with her, she talks about how she woke up in a hospital in the ICU, blood dripping down her arm, doctor trying to get a, a, a line in, and I'm just like, oh my God, what's wrong with her? Oh, I just went, no, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the, the whole, it, it jumps around a little bit because she does talk about, and she has like the public speaking while fat section talking about how basically, because she's a woman, her looks are always going to be. Yeah a thing but what like it, I had to find the page that this was on so she's in the ICU at this point we don't fully um, know why one but 49 is when it starts yeah 
But I think the part that really killed me, it's on page 160, where it's in the, the public speaking oh, okay. while fat essay, where she'll never forget. She says, I'll never forget my mother on the phone with my dad, having just gotten me out of the ICU, telling him how great I looked because I was so thin. Yeah. And I was just like, she was dying. Like, yeah. What? And more and more women are coming out with those kinds of stories where it was like the times that they got told they looked the skinniest and the best were like the times that they had weren't like nearly dead. Yeah. The times they were the sickest. And that when she went home and put on her size 12 pants that were too loose, that that's something like it broke inside of her and she was never going to beat herself up about her weight ever again. Yeah. It's just the, the importance of being thin to where... I mean, I guess if we were trying to be really nice about it, her mom was trying to find a bright side of the whole thing. I guess the I bright guess. side would just be that she did not die. Yeah. Like, I guess. I don't know. I don't that know. One, yeah. But then when we find out more about why she was in the ICU and just her the insurance. So she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And... Which I kind of guessed. There was something she said about chronic illness and injections. And I was like, oh, you're diabetic. My stepmom is also type 1, also diagnosed in her 20s. Also after losing a lot of weight and just being thirsty all of the time. So there were certain things I was like, I know where this is going. listening to the symptoms, I I, I thought diabetes too. But then she started talking. I was like, oh, no, that's type 1. Yeah. And my stepmom has said many times how her health insurance... Her health insurance is really good and it covers, if not all, the vast majority mm-hmm. of her medication and That's the pump. Really like she she has the pump now. Just seeing it spelled out about how her trip to the ICU was $20,000, which she owed 20% of after her $2,500 deductible. Mm-hmm. And then her meds were 500 to 800 bucks a month. And how she started trying to stretch her insulin, like trying to stretch things so that she could kind of skate by to not have to pay or try to avoid the neck copay essentially for her meds like i just why 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 who set this system up i agree i mean as someone who's sick and my (laughs) after the third or fourth time i ended up in the icu my doctor was like you have to call me when you're sick Mm -hmm. and now granted i will say part of my issue is that it doesn't hit me all at once it's a very slow gradual and eventually like when i finally hit the point that i'm in the icu i'm like oh yeah i guess i haven't been feeling well for a while (laughs) and i've had to like honestly recognize the signs and the symptoms Mm -hmm. and things and um especially living up here in in new york on my own it's been a little bit harder i haven't ended up nope i have ended up in the icu i have not ended up in the icu for chronic illness i have for kidney stones um well but but I didn't go get treated for kidney stones because I didn't want to pay the copay. I don't have a general doctor because I have chronic illness. There's no point in having a general doctor because they're not going to know anything and they're going to just tell me to go see my specialist anyways. Mm-hmm. And if I go see that, then I have to go see the other five and all the tests. And it adds up so quickly. Yeah. And And so I only go when I know I'm to the point where I need treatment. Yeah. And there's too many people like that. This yeah. is not the way she you talks- should live. <laughs> Right, and you shouldn't be forced to. Like she's, she talks about, I think, spraining her a- her ankle mm-hmm. a little while after and getting a few hundred dollar bill for that, and just kind of laughing at it because what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. Was I'm assuming like what was going through her mind? Like, how am I supposed to pay this? Yeah. How? No idea. And then her her struggle too at the time to keep insurance, or else the diabetes would end up being pre existing 
for future health insurance at the time. Because uh, I think this happened in 2005. Something like that, yeah. Like or I'm 2006, somewhere around there. Very fortunate that I got diagnosed, or I got sick in 2008. So by that point, well, first of all, at some point they said as long as you were a college student, you could stay on your parents' mm-hmm. insurance until you were like 23. Yeah. And thankfully, being sick under the Obama administration, I was able to keep insurance until I was 26. Yeah. Um, I think even now it's up until the end of your 26. Like if you turn 26 January 2nd, you can actually keep it until December 31st, but I may oh. be wrong. Um, for me, it was the day I turned 26, I had to have my own insurance. Yeah. And I did, and I could get it, even with pre-existing conditions, because we are slowly changing these things. And it baffles me that people want to fight this. I get premiums are going up. The big joke that used to be in my family was that, you know, it was $10 when when my mother had me, that that I was worth 10 bucks because that's all that they had to pay after insurance. And, And maybe that's not even, like, maybe that's just actually a joke. But it does seem like insurance is covering less and less, but it, you know. I mean, compared to what I... Because I remember seeing like, you know, when you there was examples for health insurance. I haven't really read them in a long time, but I remember at work getting the example of like, if you had a baby, this would be the cost. Yep. It's well over, well over 10 bucks. Like, I, it's like, just. Oh, oh it's five grand a year for me. If you stay in the hospital, if you have a fucking C-section, yep. my God, like. It's bad. Yeah. It's. Yeah. And, yeah. And yet, yeah. government is still talking about maybe we should take it away from Briggs. If you ever want to see me spiral, talk to me about health insurance. And I'm talking yeah. about spiral as in, like, I end up under my desk crying and calling my HR manager being like, I still have insurance, right? Because it's happened <laughs> twice. I've had to call my mother to talk me off the ledge a few times because I don't know what I would have done if it had been five or ten years prior. Yeah. yeah I have no idea. Yeah. Like, the situation she ended up in yeah. because of when it happened to her. Like, I mean, it's just... When you're literally having to choose between medication that could save your life that has expired probably by that point, mm-hmm. and you know I have a yeah. I have the flu and I'm throwing up, you know God it's just you can't just tell someone get a better job, right? You know because right. when I got sick I I couldn't walk up the seven flights of stairs to go to the projectors. It's yeah and like why how is that an acceptable answer get a better job? Why can't we just have the damn health insurance? Yep. Oh, like why? Why? I there was some joke. I think it was about Breaking Bad, where it was like a little comic of like if this had happened in Canada or somewhere else, Walter White gets diagnosed, starts worrying about his family, and then remembers the coverage he has, and then it ends because he's covered, and that's the end of the show. I was like, <laughs> like yep, yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I've got a friend in Canada. She's got you know that, and she also has private health insurance on top of that, just in case. Hmm. And I'm just like, cool. Yeah, I just yeah. If any of my British friends just, like, want to take me on. (laughs) I have a really cute dog. Yep. (laughs) He's adorable in his blankets right now. In slash on the blankets right now. (laughs) Yeah, he's just, like... He's lounging. He's posing, yep. Yeah. Um, Yeah, this section basically deals with a lot of, like, life is shit. Mm -hmm. And there's discussions of... Actually, I really like the discussion of, like, trolls, internet trolls. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to take it to heart going forward. And I think most people should. Um, Basically, she just, she compares it to how these people, for whatever reason, don't see a person at the other end. But it's just a game. And they're trying to win points. Right. And ultimately, the most points they can win is if you kill yourself. So by announcing, like, that you've got trolls or that people are bothering you or acknowledging them... 
the best thing to do at the end of the day is just mute them. Don't even block them because that yeah. is what they want too. So just mute yeah. them. Yeah, because she talks about people posting about how upset they've been and like depressed about the trolls. Like, no, you're 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 kind of feeding into it. And you're just giving them more juice, I guess. Like your your points, like as hard as it is. Ugh. Because sometimes you just really want to tell someone off. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, but as hard as it is, it's better to not necessarily engage with them because, yeah. If you ignore someone, eventually they'll go away or so. That's what they yeah. say. And I don't know. I thankfully don't experience too much harassment. The most harassment I get is that people think that I'm this radio DJ that's actually in New York, surprisingly. And they'll tell me the things that I said wrong on the radio. And then I'll turn around and be like, that's funny because you're telling the wrong person. <laughs> so who's not doing their research yeah. here? <laughs> so it's like, I mean, it's to the point, I think my Twitter still says like, I only host podcasts. And it's like, you didn't even read. <laughs> Also, I'm not, like, in my late 40s. I'm sorry. I'm not. Like, if you want to correct someone, wouldn't you want to make sure that you're correcting the correct person? Like, I guess if you Google Megan or Meg Griffin, I think she goes by, and then host, it, I pop up for some reason. Whatever. But, okay. Trust me. It thankfully hasn't happened in a few months. But it was, okay. like, once a week for a while. And I was like, okay, guys. What the fuck? Jesus. Um, this is also the section where she talks about how... Um, uh, it's under the essay, When the Rebel Becomes Queen, Changing Broken Systems from Inside, which we've kind of touched on, but this is really where she expands on it, where you have to acknowledge when you're doing something problematic and you have to apologize and, and mm -hmm. you know, and do better. <coughs> and she talks about a guy who, who wrote an entire story, Colorblinds. And you can't do that because the default is white, male. Yep. And and that's not colorblind. That's exactly what's going to happen is that's what you're going to end up getting as, as a perceived white male protagonist. And right. It made me realize there's a lot of times where I call out people or like in my reviews, I call out authors and I'm like, there is a thin line between too much description and not enough description. Mm -hmm. I should be able to kind of at least have enough of an outline in my mind of what your characters look like. Yeah. So that I'm not surprised when you say something and I'm like, wait a second. Was there ever a point that you hinted that they were of this ethnicity? Man, I'm so tired. <laughs> oh. You've had a long few couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> the big thing that I really liked about this, though, and I'm going to try to get this across and it's going to piss people off and I don't care. <laughs> Unless it pisses you off and then we can talk about it. <clears throat> And I do care, and I will talk about it with others, but people make mistakes. People are going to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. We live in a world where everything is so now mm -hmm. that you cannot... There's a, there's a line of people that are like, thank God my teens, early 20s are not online because you have to have room to make mistakes. And we as a culture are too quick to cancel quote-unquote cancel people because they say the wrong thing now i agree you should know better about some things and yes we need to not make excuses especially the whole boys will be boys there are lines but 
you have to allow people room to grow. And all I could think of was the whole James Gunn thing that I stayed out of entirely because I'm so conflicted about how I feel about it. Where James Gunn said things, I think, what, almost nine years ago, apologized for him five years ago, and then they came back up within the last year. And the question is, should he be canceled because he was a grown man, but he was a grown man trying his hand in comedy in a time when that was kind of what comedy was? Should he be canceled? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't decided on how I feel about that. But Noah, um, the, the guy, the lead guy from To All the Boys, or actually, let's go with this one. Hmm. Um, the Hate You Give. Mm-hmm. KJ Appa was late casted. He recasted. He joined after someone got um, booted because of racial uh, racist comments. And I agree with that entirely because one, I think he was like 17 or 18 when he said him. <laughs> but and and now you know this is a movie that is a very you know it's about race and issues and that like that I understand. Yeah. Should he have a career past that? I feel like at some point you have to, there has to be a point where you can forgive someone. Not everybody deserves forgiveness. Louis C.K. does not deserve forgiveness right now, if ever. But we as a culture are blowing up everything. And there are, I see it a lot in YA literature and that may be where my exhaustion's coming from. And like today I was reading, there's a book that I'm really excited that reimagines America if they had won the Revolutionary War and couldn't decide on a government and decided to keep a king. George Washington is the royal family. (laughs) And I was like, cool, that's a cool concept. It's going to, based on who the author is, it's going to be fun, drama, teen, whatever. But one of the top liked reviews is about how that's bullshit because it goes against everything that... America stood for but but America's based on genocide and all this and I was just like okay you can't get angry about everything that's my rant (laughs) (laughs) I feel like this book says it a lot better where it's just like you have to let people apologize and grow because I think she uses herself as examples Mm -hmm. um she talks about the really popular viral essay that is in the next section that someone either approached her or emailed her or something and pointed out that she had a line in there that basically erased trans women. So she sat back, she reread it, realized, yeah, that person's totally right. And she rewrote it. She didn't double down on, oh, I'm not trying to erase anyone, blah, blah, blah. Like she stopped and thought about it and then took action from there and realized that, yes, that person's right, that people's criticisms of you Sometimes those can be correct. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, so you watch The Good Place, right? I do, yes. So Tahani, the actress who plays her, Jamila Jamil. Uh-huh. She's talked a lot about this as well, where she is taking ownership of kind of developing her own feminist beliefs, basically, like that she didn't always feel the way that she does about certain things and that she is still learning and a work in progress and will probably mess up again here and there and that you do have to allow people the time to grow or the space to grow. Um, I do agree though that not everyone deserves forgiveness. I think if you show time and time again that you are trash, then you can just be like Louis CK would be an example where I'm like, I don't ever need to see your face again. Mel Gibson, like, yeah, go away, go away forever. I just, if you're going to show time and time again that you're racist and sexist and or sexist and just terrible homophobic. No, I don't think that you deserve another chance. But if you're willing to do what she did to set, to kind of just sit back and do the work essentially. Yeah. Then yeah. 
Yeah, there's an author that got called out. I, I believe she's an Asian author, and I believe... I got a lot of mixed feelings about this, but I'm going to go with just this basic outline. She wrote a book, there is a slave line, and it ended up offending um, several other minorities. She's not American, and so she isn't trying to play into... Or she's not even European or anything like that, so like... Is it her fault she doesn't understand Western culture and and the slave trade and all that? No. She pulled her book and then there was a question of should she be allowed to revise and re-release it? And I think she should. She pulled the book. She didn't double down. She went, you know what? I, I see that there are issues. I'm pulling it. There are other issues with the book that maybe there's plagiarism. So maybe that's why it's not getting released. But um, Because otherwise I was like, yeah, because that sounds like... What she did, I realized that yeah. this is her essay that's a little easier to pull than a freaking book, but... Right. Um, this is why people do, you know, the pre-reads and things like that, so yeah. that you can have it. And and there was an author that, like, was really talking up this book before, you know, this this got called out. And then she was like, you know, maybe I read something different, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, own it. Hey, I read this. I didn't think of it that way. You're right. And, you know, whatever you need to do to do better next time. Mm-hmm. You're not ever going to please everybody. Some people just want you canceled and there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> like I've been holding on to that all day and I just was <laughs> like, it's, it, I don't know. It's a lot of, especially since the whole Me Too thing started, um, you know, where are the lines, you know, not necessarily in these celebrities and, and directors and everything that are getting called out, but people who know, you know what, that's going to go way too far down a path that I don't want to. And I don't want to be known for that. I just truly think that especially if you're younger and being brought up in this generation where everything is online, you have to give them space to grow because you had it. You did not have some, I had yeah. a lot of stupid things that I am so glad that it's not on the internet. And I'm, you know, I don't really remember a time before not having a computer. So, but there's a lot of things that I've said that get played back in my head. That I'm like, thank God that's not a tweet somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, I'm also very lucky that I've got a mom who follows, I don't shy any of my social media, except for maybe like an online journal, which I no longer do. But, you know, my mother has followed me always on social media. And so if I've posted something that's close to a line, she's always been there to message me to be like, hey, you posted this thing. Here's why you need to think about it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very, very thankful. I probably hated it at the time. I'm very thankful (laughs) for it now. I am also just also very grateful that I didn't grow up, that I'm not growing up now. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like I'm not. Ugh, ugh, ugh. And how much worse <laughs> can I get? Everything, like all the learning pains being online is just no, thank you. Nope. Yeah. We talk- I there was something you were talking about that kind of bleeded into part four and I'm trying to remember what it was. Is that when Gamergate stuff starts? Yeah. Revolution. Okay. Yeah, next part four is revolution. Um, she talks about bullying and censorship and how those are not the same thing as criticism. Yeah. Which I think she could have doubled down on that, that article where the person said that, you know, you've erased trans women from the discussion here and could have said, you're bullying me. You're trying to censor me. Like she could have used that as an excuse, but she didn't. Whereas a lot of people, criticism is not bullying. Right. And criticism is not censorship. Like, those are not the same things. I agree. Let's see. Now, convincing Twitter of all that and what's the yeah. difference is never going to happen. 
So I think that's where she talks about how people needing to realize why maybe a joke that you said a couple years ago won't necessarily be as accepted, like an off-color joke, won't be as accepted as if you said it today. And it's not because people are more sensitive or people are trying to bully you into, you know, not joking around now. That it's just people maybe now feel more secure or in like they're in the position to question you Mm -hmm. or to point out that the things that you're saying are not great. And that people may have been nodding along with you and laughing with you a couple of years ago, but that was because they didn't have the privilege or the status to do anything but that. Thank God that's changing. Yeah. I do really like that she continuously acknowledges in this book, like, hey, I am a white female. I grew up in middle the Midwest. Like, I understand I have privilege and that's never going away, but I'm constantly trying to do better. Yeah. And she does talk about, too, when she go, moves to South Africa, she has a moment of dissonance when she realizes she's the only white person in the room because she's never been in that situation. And then after living there for a little while, then coming back, she has a moment in the airport of like, something's wrong. And it's, oh, it's because now I'm only really around mm-hmm. white people. <laughs> I have that yeah. feeling when I go home, too. Huh? <laughs> I have that feeling occasionally when I go home, too. Yeah. I have the feeling of, hey, I'm the only person of color in this room quite frequently. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. I don't know how much we want to touch on Gamergate and Sad Puppy (sighs) Gate. I don't know if that's what it was called. Um, I didn't know about the Sad Puppy stuff. I didn't either. Gamergate's is the reason I have a hard time with Adam Baldwin these days. Um, But... If you don't know what Gamergate is, essentially, I think she puts it best. Um, it's like your ex, stalker ex-boyfriend got together with a bunch of other stalker ex-boyfriends and made your life worse. Right. And then tried to belittle every like clout that you have with that you slept away to the top. Yep. And then coming for any woman in their industry. Because yeah. that's, I'm sure, how they see it. Yeah. I feel like I had heard about like the Hugo Awards with them basically organizing so that they could control the vote so that the winner, like they wouldn't all be, it would be diverse basically. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I had heard about that, but I don't know. It wasn't something I had, I don't know. It sounded familiar like Gamergate. Yes. Right. But like the specifically about the Hugo Awards that I sounded familiar, but I, I don't know how much I knew about it at the, like at the time that it was happening. I didn't know about it, um, which makes it funny because I definitely saw when they released the Hugo nominees for this year, which is, again, a very diverse group. It's an excellent group. Um, this is actually probably the first time I've ever paid attention to the Hugo Awards this year. And I I guess because I happened to be online when Shauna McGuire announced that she had been nominated again. And someone else has that I really like. And I cannot think who. It'll come to me in a minute. Um, but I did see a dude comment about how, how can you consider this diverse when there's no, no one conservative on this list? And I was just like, Cause we don't want to read that shit. We don't need any more of you. Yeah. Go away. <laughs> You're welcome to go back and read all the other books that you have. Yeah. I really liked, um, I think it's one of the last essays. She talks about, like, rage doesn't happen in a vacuum. That 
as she provides the example of being in South Africa and these guys are harassing another young woman at a bus stop and she finally just like explodes and starts yelling at them even though they weren't, you know, weren't talking to her, but like she just goes off on them. They finally eventually leave and the the other woman thanks her because she didn't feel like she could say anything. But it wasn't just what those guys were saying. It was months of living there and being told, don't go out after dark, like, don't be alone here. And, like, just basically everything that women have to watch out for or, you know, planning for existing as a woman so that we don't get abducted and raped and murdered. It's exhausting. It is so exhausting. And you can't explain it. No. Um... But then when she goes on to talk about why she's not afraid of the comments on the internet, really, she talks about her grandmother and how her grandmother grew up in Nazi-occupied France. And one day, her grandmother and her friends found a severed leg in a Nazi boot. And they were sure that a bunch of people were going to get killed because clearly a Nazi lost a leg. Like, they're dead somewhere. So they, like, threw the leg leg into the river and (laughs) were just waiting and worrying about I guess the, the rest of the body being found. Um, but then later the, a bullet grazes her grandmother's head and lodges into the wall behind her. Mm-hmm. And she carried, she dug the bullet out, which like, okay, stop and do that. <laughs> um, and carried it with her to just be like, yeah, this is like as a reminder. And so for the author, it's very much like you're saying what on the internet, my grandmother like essentially got shot in the head. Yeah. <laughs> Nazis, like, I'll be fine. You're not scaring me. Yeah, I I don't know. It's, um... I like the other essay where she compares the trolls that are sending rape threats and death threats and doxing to... And, like, the response from the police is basically to get offline as, like, the yeah. metaphor or, you know, um, don't go out. You won't get raped yep. if you don't go out. Wear, you know, yep. a snowsuit all the time. Right. Because yeah. it's always, well, were you out by yourself at night? What were you wearing? Were you drinking? Were you doing drugs? Like, what were you doing instead of maybe we should teach men not to rape? Yep. It's a novel idea. Yeah. Or murder or whatever. Like. Yeah. So everybody needs to find that thin line of the thing, the scariest thing that they've had happen to them and realize that men on the internet aren't the scariest thing. But also, we need to be teaching dudes not to fucking do this. And women. There are a lot yeah. of women that do this, too. And it's mm. it's awful. Yeah. Well, I think there's that thing of when you're on the internet, you're removed from the person. So you, you find it easier, I guess, to say some shit you would never yeah. say to their face. And you just escalate and escalate. Like, I don't know. Something has to be done about that. So just to touch quickly on her last article is the one that went viral. Uh, we have always fought challenging the women, cattle, and slaves narrative. And she basically starts it with saying she's going to tell you a story about llamas. And I know it's like every other story. And you already know that llamas have scales and they are birthed from the sea and blah, blah, blah. And just she's like, it's not true. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. No, it took me a moment to be like, do I not know like, what a wait, fucking what llama fuck? is? <laughs> like, it's I really like, had a no, moment I'm Peruvian. of like. No, I'm Peruvian. I know what a fucking llama is. <laughs> I had a moment I was like. I saw Emperor's New Groove. Hang on a second. <laughs> oh, hey, on that line, Chris and I are going to Machu Picchu next year. <laughs> Shit, that's awesome. Yeah. We're going with his parents with like a travel group, like a tour. That's so cool. Thing. 
Yeah, we booked the tickets last week. It's going to be amazing. I cannot wait to see the pictures. Yes. Um, So then she goes on to talk about sitting down with one of her professors, talking about her master's thesis and how she wants to focus on women resistance fighters. And she starts talking about how they made up 20% of the ANC's militant wing. And, you know, women have never uh, been part of the fighting forces. And her professor was like, uh, women have always fought. She's like, what are you talking about? And that's the moment where she realized, like, this. I mean, she talks about it earlier, I think, in another section Mm -hmm. about who gets to write history. Mm -hmm. And here we see where the history that she has been presented with has omitted quite a bit because women have yes always fought always been on the battlefield like always yeah it's uh women have always been on i liked it it was like if you can think of anything women have fucking done it in the past yes and uh like apparently they found a mass grave and because they all had swords they were like oh it's a bunch of dudes and eventually they like finally uh did some testing yeah Yeah. and looked and oh, there's some women in those Viking yep. graves. It wasn't just men. But how they didn't, that doesn't fit the narrative of soldier or hero. She talks yeah. about the definition of hero at certain points in this as well. Um, and how there's like the special language of like soldiers and then female soldiers. So the default is male. Or, um, let's see, novelists. Or versus women novelists, mm-hmm. like the default again is male. <sighs> it's depressing. There's a really great Facebook page. Um, let me see if I can find it. But basically, it takes anything like like you can buy a shirt that says like male scientist. It's like um, it'll be like today, men. How are you balancing your work, um, work, house stuff? Um, yeah, it's, it's basically just taking everything that women get asked constantly mm-hmm. and reversing it. And it's just a delight because it makes me laugh because it, if not, I'd cry. Yeah. yeah. Man who has it all. That's what it is. Oh, having it all. <laughs> There's like the, one of the latest polls is men's writing any good. <laughs> I actually have a lot of thoughts about that, but... <laughs> Not in the way that they're wanting me to. <laughs> I keep coming back to Blake Crouch and his writing of women. Yep. Yep. And just being so in love with Ethan. <laughs> Some people say my girl's t-shirt should be available for boys. Really? When you see what's written on the other 12 girls' shirts, you'll see why that's bonkers. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> Women will be women, rational, objective, scientific. It's things like that. It's totally worth today's debate. At what age do men lose their sex appeal? <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> ugh. I. Ugh. Yeah. Oh. So all in all, I really like this collection. I did too. I kind of want to buy it. <laughs> I, I did because. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I just was like, I, I couldn't find it on my, an ebook. And then after I bought it, either the library just bought it or I searched wrong. I'm not mm. sure which one, but. Um, yeah, I got mine from the library, but just from the first section of being like, yeah, this is a really encouraging and telling me that I should write more. 
I should get this to have it. Yes, to do the underlining yeah. and then just to things to refer back to. Yes, I think uh, everybody should read it um, with the understanding that she is, you know, a white woman that ha- you know has been published, and and she talks about that actually quite a bit of like knowing she has this privilege that she does not see. Mm-hmm. Or that she's made it and that she's seen as being more powerful than she actually feels. And I think she keeps herself in check. I don't think she takes yeah. too harsh of a stance on anything. I think a lot of it is just fucking take a look at yourself and just question things more. And I love it. Yeah. And she does say many times too, just someone has to be doing the yelling. And that she it, yes. she, she doesn't want to rely on other people. Because she talks about one woman who left the field i think in the 90s maybe mm-hmm. and she felt like a devastated sort of like or no maybe when the person passed away she felt like oh my god who's gonna speak out about these things now and she's like well i can i can try to use my voice my platform um as much as possible because someone has to be yelling yeah i love the discussion of becoming a villain in someone else in someone future's mm-hmm. you know story meaning that if they start seeing you that way, then they've hit this new obstacle that you could have never hit. Yeah. And that's awesome. Any particular book drink in mind? Oh, God. No. <laughs> no. I'm not. No. Um, I was thinking just whiskey because she talks about how she decided to write those tough, lonely characters who drink a lot of whiskey, but making them women. No, I like that. I think that's really good. Cause I feel like I've said whiskey many times. Yeah. Book drinks. <laughs> I don't know. Is there a book or an alcoholic llama drink? No. I'm, I mean, the Peruvian drink is Pisco Sour is like the drink. I don't remember what all is. I know there's an egg white in it. <laughs> all right. Let's see. Oh, come on. Llama cocktail. My internet is going so slow and it's like, you are searching for something that we don't think you really want to see. That's (laughs) that's the impression I'm getting at this moment. That's okay. It gives me time to try to figure out what I'm reading next. (laughs) Hair of the llama cocktail. Interesting. Mango rum, coconut water, pineapple juice, off-dried German or Finger Lakes Riesling, all combined into a shaker. Add ice, shake 20 times. (laughs) Strain over fresh ice. And then a garnish is two leaves from a pineapple fruit to arrange in a glass to suggest the ears of a certain hooked animal. <laughs> Represent the hair by piling two tablespoons worth of fresh saved coconut on top. <laughs> There's no okay. picture, but I am down for this. <laughs> All right. Half of the llama cocktail. There's also a, uh, who's the, the bad guy in uh, Emperor's New Girl? Yzma? I don't know that I've, I have not, I think I have seen that movie, but it has been a long time. <laughs> There's Yzma, because I'm totally wrong, I'm like, extract of llama blackberry shot, too. No, I think I like the hair of the llama more. All right. Hair of the llama if you like coconuts. Nice. All right. So, do you know what you're reading next that's not for the podcast? I do... But I got to look it up because I just forgot the name. It took me a minute because I ended up getting, I think it was 31 books in total. Now, granted, I did get three copies of one book. So, um, again, it turned out to be like 28 new books. But, (laughs) so, and I wanted just to start diving into all of them. I just want to take like a week off and just read. Um, Yeah. 
but I will be reading Lock Every Door by Riley Sager, which is coming out July 2nd. But uh, I, my advanced copy came in last week, so I will be diving into that. What about you? Nice. I think I'm gonna make myself finish. What is, wait, which one? Oh, Gates of Paradise, I think, is the one that I'm on for the Heaven Castile series. Um, so I think I'm gonna force myself to finish that, which is, it's a reread, but I just I I feel you. like I need to complete the stupid series. <laughs> I get that. Um, but I do want to read something new, and I'm not sure what. Maybe. Yeah, we're kind of like. We haven't really read any series recently that we need to finish. Yeah, because we finished Blake Crouch. That's done. I'm just looking at my list here to see if there's anything else that I want to say. Yeah, I'm going to read that at the same time because I'm in the middle already of um, of The Gates of Paradise. Book slumps are totally real things that happen. I know. I have so many, though. I just... I would, I really like when I would go to the library, I like going in and getting my book and like walking up and down the aisles. The Providence library is still under construction. (laughs) So you have to request everything. And it's, it's frustrating because I just like if when I'm in a book, so like I could just go and get like whatever we're doing next to the podcast, just walk up and down and find something. But I can't. You just got to get used to doing it virtually. Yeah. Let me see if this one's available. I did read Solace in between, um, which was the first book of the Parasol Protectors um, to go with the novella we read recently. Nice. um, Which I still very much enjoyed it. Okay. Maybe I'll give this a shot. So I bought this for Chris a while ago, and I know that he hasn't read it. It's uh, Paddle Your Own Canoe by Nick Offerman. Oh, yeah. So I think, yeah. It's been on my list forever because I bought it for him, but I was like, yeah, I also really want to want to read it. So let's do that. Gates of Paradise and Paddle Your Own Canoe. Nice. I guess I should also say I'm reading There Will Be Monsters. That's the one I'm in the middle of right now. Hmm. Oh, here there are monsters. Never mind. So next time for the podcast, our challenge is a collection of poetry. So... That was involuntary. Like I knew it was coming and still. It, uh, we did reach out for some help because neither of us really had any books of poetry on our lists to read. So we'll be having a guest next week to help us, uh, Megan Sunday. And we're going to be reading some works by Edna St. Vincent Millay, who I don't think that I'm familiar with. I'm not. She's American. I know I'm not familiar, Mm. unfortunately. I think it's possible I may have read something at some point in high school, yeah. but I doubt it. So that'll be good. I haven't read a lot of poetry in a long time. Yeah, it's definitely been at least a few years since I've even attempted. But um, I really, Megan has really great taste in books, and I am really looking forward to it. I have very high hopes. We're going to like at least one of these poems. Yeah. <laughs> Set Matt Barlow. I do like some po- <laughs> You know what? I'll defend myself next week. i'm not gonna do it this week it'll be good yeah it'll be good yeah so you can find us on all the social media twitter instagram facebook at jbc podcast and then we also have the facebook page a handbook 
Handbook for Judging Fabulous Retellings Covers. So, oh, join us in two. Oh. Where I have finally cleared oh, out right. my shelves. So, I should be hopefully actually having book giveaways in our Facebook group soon. Nice. Yeah. Once I... Awesome. I'll... I've got the list together. I want to throw it to a few more people. Just be like, hey, do you want any of these books before I just start giving them away? <laughs> and I know I'm not going to give away all of them because some of them are trash. So. <laughs> nice. And where can people find you besides JVC Podcast? Oh, uh, you can find me on my blog. It is Meg, M-E-G-G, Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N.com. What about you? For me, for now, still just at JBC Podcast, though I got to do something. (laughs) (laughs) Way to get you out there in the world. Yeah, I got to listen to Cameron Hurley and just put my voice out there somehow. So, but you can find us again at JBC Podcast. And again, in two weeks, join us back here for some poetry. Yeah. Excited. And in the meantime, keep supporting your local libraries. Woohoo.